Today on Tactical Faith, we talk to Dr. Brad Swiger, who's Associate Professor of Biomedical Sciences at University of Alabama Mobile. We discuss the issue and question of what is life. Join us on Tactical Faith Radio. This, 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 Let's be honest, talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome back to Tactical Faith Radio. Today I have a really good friend uh, that I want to introduce everyone to. His name is Dr. Brad Swiger. He is professor of what? Is it biology? Uh, biomedical sciences. Bio- I'm an assistant professor, yeah. At University of South Alabama. Right. Correct. That's where you That's went to school, correct. right? It is, yeah. Yeah, I did both an undergraduate and got my PhD so here I, at South Alabama. I was, I got the pleasure to meet Brad at one of our events that we did in 2011 or 2012 in Mobile uh, when we hosted Greg Coker from Stand to Reason Ministries uh, down there. Uh, him and another fella who was actually an FBI agent uh, I met during the event. We had dinner after it was over, and it kind of created a, a, a lifetime friendship for me and with Brad. And he's been a confidant of mine, somebody that I've gone to uh to I guess to pick brains or pick somebody's minds on differing issues um, that's kind of what I try to do I know that I'm not an authority on all things in fact I'm probably not an authority on anything uh, <laughs> but what I, what I can say that I have done is try to surround my people with uh, myself with with very kind of capable people and and of course Brad is is one of those Brad what are you involved in now what are you doing now what are some areas of interest that you find yourself in yeah, sure. I've dabbled in so many things over the years. I didn't really, you know, become a Christian until I was almost out of undergraduate. So spiritual things weren't really an issue with me at first. But after that, man, I uh, I found myself just with this unquenchable thirst to learn different things. So while I was going through graduate school, clearly I was, you know, uh, interested in, in biomedical sciences and laboratory research. I did a lot of work during then on mitochondrial biology. You remember the powerhouses of the cell from biology class? I did a lot of research with that. And I also discovered, which is how I found Stand Reason and Greg Kokel, I'd gotten very interested in apologetics and starting to look at how faith had a real impact in our day-to-day lives at an intellectual level. Um, Since then, I've also... I, I still, you know, uh, read up and, and think through apologetics, but I've become heavily interested in theology itself away from just the apologetic side. And um, so I've read up on that. And then, of course, as I was talking with you not too long ago, missions for several years has been a very, very uh, big interest and passion of mine. So I've, I've done quite a few things. And that's what's so fun. In a prior podcast that I made with a buddy of mine named Mark um, Hutton, Dr. Hutton, we talked mm-hmm. about uh, the definition of what it means to be nice and what, and then we carried into a definite kind of a, a discussion on the concept of what it means to be a man. 
one mm-hmm. of the things that I discussed was, you know, I try I try to have a robust uh, life uh, when it comes to the life of a mind as a Christian, uh, especially as especially in my perspective uh, from a male's perspective of the world. Um, and this is true for females as well. But from my perspective, you should have a robust kind of curiosity of the world. Right. Um, you should have even <laughs> yeah. though you should have a specialty in one or two things that you should go deep in. It's real neat to see people like you and meet people like you who have interest and curiosities in all things and that you have access to the ability to know all things because you're made in God's image and you made you've right. been made to be curious. And well, while you have a specialty uh, that we'll get to here in a minute, it doesn't keep you from learning about different aspects of different subjects. Yeah, definitely. And I've noticed over the years that things that I used to have absolutely no interest in, all of a sudden, or I shouldn't say all of a sudden, but gradually I've become interested in things. You and I have talked, you know, business and finance things, especially stock market. I hated anything with business in the title when I was in high school and college. And now all of a sudden I'm fascinated with it. <laughs> sure. So that comes with experience and, and, and time. If you develop mm-hmm. a disposition of curiosity, uh, of God's world, that's what happens. And it would be kind of dull for you to be just interested in one subject and go deep in that uh, forever. And I have another buddy right. that we've talked about before, that I have talked to you about before, and he's actually been on the show, Jay Watts. And one of the things he's told yeah. me is in order, when you go deep, and I agree with this, when you go deep in a subject, it usually leads you to other subjects, you know, and that that's the neat thing about the life of the mind and developing the life of the mind, right. which which to me, the Christian worldview um, allows us the opportunity to think about so many different things and how it touches so many different subjects. But and th- and we'll we'll pursue that with you, um, you know, now that you're coming on board again with TF, uh, creating some content. Yeah. But let me talk about your specialty, uh, what what it is that you get paid for, and what it is that you teach students. Uh, yeah, what, sure. What specifically do you teach at University of South Alabama? Okay. Well, currently, my primary focus, really, I guess my only focus, is anatomy and physiology for allied health and nursing students. That's since I came here about five years ago, I've been teaching exclusively that. And that's because with this being a foundational course for allied health and nursing students, I have very large class sizes, about 150 and I, I'll teach anywhere from two to three different sections of that course per semester. So we're talking 250 to f- almost 450 students in any given semester. And, and so for that reason, I'm only teaching anatomy and physiology. But having been at the University of Mobile for several years prior to that, I taught upper level cell biology courses, science and ethics. I've, I've taught quite a few different courses. But definitely now, anatomy and physiology is what I would say is my specialty. So let me ask you a question first. If you had to define what life is, how do you define the concept or the word life? And then what's the concept of what life is? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. That's something that we end up having to tackle in even just I don't know if I would say the first day of lecture, but certainly the first chapter of anatomy and physiology, we have to define life. And you and I know that most most terms are going to have multiple meanings. I could say 
you know, to somebody, hey, you need to get a life. And that's not really referring to a biological definition of life. But from a biological definition, there's some key things that would have to be present. For instance, um, there would have to be boundaries made. And by boundaries, I'm thinking, you know, consider something like skin at the organism level or even the cell membrane at a cellular level. There has to be a boundary so that we can remain distinct and separate from the environment. We have to keep our contents intact, so to speak. But we also have to be able to acquire nutrients because we are required to grow. An adult, I don't care what kind of adult we're talking about, cannot have a child the same size as them. And so there's a need for growth and development. Those are some more defining characteristics of what it means to be living. And certainly metabolism. And by that, I mean any body process. So it could be digesting food. That's metabolism. We're breaking larger, say, proteins down into smaller pieces of proteins. Or it could be more of a, a productive type of metabolism where instead of breaking things down into smaller parts, we're building new things. So we may digest protein into little bitty pieces, but after our cells take that stuff in, they then rebuild big proteins. So, it, it, you know, we have to build molecules, break them down. We have to also be able to reproduce. This is why most scientists have a hard time considering viruses as truly living um, organisms. Because unlike bacteria, viruses can't reproduce on their own. They have to hijack a different cell, whether it's a, a eukaryotic or a, a, a nucleated cell, like human cells, animal cells, um, or they have to hijack bacterial cells. Hmm. And if if we can't if we can't reproduce, then that's a key defining feature of life. Wow. And I should say at the population level. Sure. Right. I mean, I'm not talking about an individual because infertility, unfortunately, can be an issue. But I'm discussing a population level. We would have to require reproduction. Is that something in your field of study that you're that I guess your profession is constantly thinking about, uh, thinking about what life is, uh, having conversations about what life is or is it just assumed is it one of those concepts that's just assumed when you go into it oh yeah i would say it's always not maybe it depends on the era but certain news that that is published can bring up the question from time to time definitely because with today's different technologies we have something called crispr um, where we're capable of now editing the genome, which radically uh, – it has the potential to just completely extinguish genetic diseases. It gives us the ability to create new kinds of life in certain ways. And so, yeah, we have to ask, what is it that not just makes something living, but maybe the biomedical scientist isn't so in, uh, involved in what is a species, you know, a, a an actual biologist who's looking more at interspecies uh, differences would wonder, you know, if something's living, 
what kind of species is it if we're now capable of, say, transplanting a pig heart or inserting primate DNA into uh, a canine cell or something like that? I mean, the, the possibilities out there. And then we've got to consider artificial intelligence, AI. Because, you know, computer programs have some limited capacity to reproduce. Um, what is life going to look like? And, of course, we haven't launched into a biblical worldview discussion about that just yet. But from a biology standpoint, if we're looking at laws of nature, things that we as scientists consider to be required for living, we've got the potential to create all kinds of new life. And, and that and that's the importance of even in in any field to think about its first definitions, right? What is right. it that we're doing? Are we going to have to reevaluate, you know, what our primary, um, I guess, concepts and definitions are? It, it's but that's in anything, right? I, I would assume that's in engineering, that's in medical medical fields, that's in accounting, that's in, in even in law or in teaching. It is good to go back to the original kind of concepts of what it is that you do and think about it deeply and ponder on it. So in your issue with biology, that's the reason I wanted to bring you on first is and to ask mm -hmm. you that question, what is life, as a reminder to all of us that we have to think and ponder on these concepts and definitions and constantly reevaluate them. And as a Christian, right. we reevaluate those things based on um, principles of, you know, the written word or within yeah. co the community, right? The shared community or even right. in tradition, all those things matter and help inform us on questions about life. I mean, I'm not sure what Aquinas could help us with, with CRISPR, but it can, help, <laughs> right. you know, but Augustine Aquinas can help us think through the issue of life. And I think Absolutely. to allow to allow those people and to allow the word of God to inform us about today's principles is important. And actually I would think we have to do that, right? Yeah, we certainly have to, we can't say that certain things from the past are no longer relevant because even if something has been shown to be untrue, that that doesn't discount everything that that particular philosopher or theologian ever talked about. We have to remember that they were doing their thinking at a different time period where certain data wasn't available, certain methods of thinking. I mean, there was no defined scientific method. And while you can't say there is one scientific method, there was there wasn't a systematic science developed at that time like there is currently and so they they thought critically and very seriously and deeply with the tools available at the time and so we can't throw out everything based on the undoing of one theory or one you know one thought they may have had like the old saying goes you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater so what are you what have you what are you learning about life uh, you're you're specialized in a certain field, certain, certain scientific field that looks at life. What mm -hmm. do you think you have learned uh, in your kind of, I guess, your your journey and, you know, through where you were and where you are now? How do you look at life as a Christian biologist and a scientist? 
Hmm. That is, that would be difficult to say uh, succinctly. For one, I am always amazed at, uh, especially within the discipline of anatomy and physiology, if we could replace the terms anatomy and physiology with more commonly used phrases, I could say it's basically the study of structure and function. Anatomy is looking at how the body is structured or put together. Physiology is how the body works, how it's function, what is its function. And the big theme of, of this course for my students that I highlight all the time is how interrelated those things are. And we find that in all of nature. You know, you, you change up the, the structure of a hammer. It's not going to function the way it was intended. Um, same with the body. And so I've seen just this exquisite beauty in how the body works, especially when it's working optimally. And... You know, in terms of Christian worldview, applying that, we can say, well, it's very, very unlikely that we could expect such an optimized type of functionality if there wasn't some structural engineer behind it. <laughs> um, and I, I know that's a, a huge disagreement in in my field, especially among scientists who may may have no no belief in a higher power but i i just i see these these features that mere chance and mutation don't accurately uh explain or don't completely explain sure and that that leaves the argument open to other things someone will say well you you know the burden's now on you to prove this and that's why you can't answer it succinctly. It would take a long time to really walk through what we know and what we don't know. But I, I see a big, big issue just with that. Yeah, it, it's so the conversation's fun, and and, and I don't absolutely mind, you know whether oh, wherever you are in in answering the question of origin, the conversation's just fun. And for it is, and for somebody like me, when I come across somebody saying. Well, you're a Christian, and you believe in miracles. You believe in all these kind of. You believe in a God. Well, that's an extraordinary claim that needs extraordinary evidence. Well, it, it that plays on on the other side of the spectrum too. Uh, it does. What you're saying to me is, um, you're looking at things like uh, how something functions from a cellular level all the way up to the functioning body. How just mm -hmm. just, just look at the human body. That's an extraordinary thing. Right. right, and to just to right. say, and just to throw in nature or, or common descent or something else doesn't answer for the complexity and the just the awesome artistry put into designing our body. What 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 looks like design, you know? Even if you're an atheist and you say, well, there's, you know, I I believe that we came to who we are through, you know, through time and chance and evolutionary biology. Okay, that's fine, but that doesn't to me answer the, the how how extraordinary we are <laughs> right right yeah as as dawkins says there there seems to be apparent design but when you look more deeply at the data again chance mutation and natural selection alone don't account 
for for what we see. Does it explain some? Yeah, it can explain some. I mean, anybody can understand the concept that a mutation that causes bacteria to no longer die in the presence of an antibiotic is going to be a good thing for that bacteria, right? It would be selected for. So it can happen, but it's so it's it's limited in its power. And many biologists either refuse to see it, don't see it, or don't haven't fully appreciated the depth of that question. And that's what's so fun about the Christian worldview. And if you had a functioning community within a church that had so many different people with so many different skill sets and experiences, I think how the the church would function if you are in the same community with a theo- with a theologian who took his craft, um, mm-hmm. you know, seriously, or a philosopher who took their craft seriously, or somebody who is a mathematician or an accountant or a lawyer. You get these people together, and and by putting them together and just talking and pondering on things like life. There's so many people that can talk into that that don't realize it. Like we 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 always want to compartmentalize people. We'd say, well, Doctor Swag, you know, I was calling you Doctor Swag because that's what I call <laughs> you. Uh, uh, Brad over here, you know, he's a biologist. We're just going to talk to him about biology. You know, this yeah. person over here in churches, an accountant, and mathematician, or you know, they're just good at finance. We're going to keep them over here. Yeah, it's right. good to to be good and in depth in one subject. But when you bring them together, you start learning. Man, that that person over here who who is in an area that's not necessarily in my field, it still touches because the God of creation right. and the God of the cosmos of the heaven and the earth, He created it all. So there's going to be these touch points in all subjects, right? I mean, that's what university is for, right? The, exactly. The, the unity and diversity, is, is, and that's what the core curriculum is supposed to do. So when you listen, right. so as I hear you speak and talk about biology, there's points of contact on things that I'm an authority in, or at least I consider myself an authority in, and I'm like, wow, I never realized that before. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. why it's important for us as Christians to cultivate a community of like-minded people w- w- that are centered on God and, 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 and the Jesus Christ being our Lord, and that we mm-hmm. develop and cultivate the life of the mind. You know, Absolutely. I have within my peers, people like you and others, and you are all so interesting to me because you, we all talk about different things you know, of what you're good at, but then we'll kind of move over into areas that you have interest in and I have interest in, and we're finding these common points. And before you know it, that everything starts connecting. <laughs> so right. when you say something like, what is life? Well, man, that's a, that's, that's a concept that the church, not even the church as a whole, but individual churches should be thinking about, correct? You got that right. I mean, for, for, for Christians who haven't thought about that before, I would point back to uh, academic circles or, or, or even, you know, industrial or, um, I guess, industry-style biotech companies. When To go back to CRISPR, for instance, when CRISPR was first discovered and the results were published and people started thinking more about it, they quickly realized there's a great book out on it. Um, Gosh, I can't think of the name of it right now. It, um, maybe I'll think of it later. But the the woman who discovered it and published on it talked about how it became very um, 
immediately apparent that there's a huge potential with this to change life as we know it. And she worked to put together a global conference that brought in not just biomedical scientists, but brought in ethicists, bioethicists, brought in philosophers. She wanted people talking across disciplines. And that's currently, that's what many researchers now are doing. Biomedical scientists are now crossing the campus to go talk with mechanical engineers or with physicists, and some are even crossing over into humanities and working with philosophers or or sociologists because we're seeing now that that there's so much knowledge that we're beginning to tap into cross-disciplinary ideas, and it's really it's fascinating to read up on. Yeah, that's fun. You know, when I was in college, I took a summer class. Uh, I had a, a minor in computers and uh, comp- computers. I had a minor in computer science and I had a mm-hmm. major and my major was I was in the arts. So I, was, I got a bachelor's of arts in American history. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I had one summer where I was finishing up um, my computer m- minor. I guess it was m- before my senior year. So I had to take object oriented okay. programming. And but I it had to finish my Englishes. So I ended up taking some sort of class on in, on theory on some sort of grammatic theory. I don't know what they were, but I, I, I realized one class was before the other and they were talking about the same exact, thing. <laughs> you know, linguistics was touching into programming and object oriented programming. And I right. remember going to one class and then going to the other and going, Oh my gosh, this, this must be what university's about. Right. It, it, right. But we are over we become kind of really good at over-specializing and, and putting ourselves into categories. But when we allow discussions happen, you know, from people that are skillful in what they do and take their craft seriously. And I'm, I'm not just talking about academics here. I'm talking about even skill sets like plumbing, engi- you know, especially anything right. to do with engineering, anybody that's in a craft, anybody that's doing anything, the discussions within churches should be how are we sharing what the wisdom that you know in the world that you're in and how does it touch the world that I'm a part of? You know, imagine what would explode if we could follow is the woman that you're talking about is her last name D O U D N A Jennifer. Say that again, Jennifer D O U D N A Dodna. That's who I found. She's the, She's What's cons- the name of the book? Uh, I'd recognize the book. I says think, she's first. the chair professor in the Department of Chemistry and Molecular and Cellular Biology at the at UC Berkeley. Uh, yes, that's her. That's her. Yeah. And the, the book's called A Crack in Creation. Oh, a crack. That's in, the oh, one. That's fun. A, a crack in creation: gene editing and the unthinkable power to control evolution. Yeah, we shouldn't and let she, the, we shouldn't let the university take that from us. <laughs> You know, I I'm mean, telling you, it's it's fascinating. Want, it was a good read. Sure, and and, and you you it being in the area, it, being in academics, you know, you, you it's exciting, and it when you have people from different different disciplines coming together to talk about something, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, I don't know why this conversation has gone this way, other than just to say this is kind of at the ground. The I guess the grounding and the origin of tactical faith is just to get the church to think like this. 
right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's all in the area of apologetics is always kind of dealt this way. It's been a generalized kind of discipline that wants to talk about all things, you know, and then defend them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, against attacks, but also provide an opportunity for us to talk about the Christian worldview. And for me, yeah. I think specifically in our state, we have people might not realize that if they if they hear this podcast from outside of Alabama, but f- the Alabama is rich, right? I mean, from Huntsville yeah. down to Mobile, um, we are rich with different kinds of folks. Uh, we mm-hmm. we get a bad kind of picture sometimes as as backwoods, you know, country folk that don't know nothing. <laughs> right, right. But the reality is, if you come into our state and under and just look around, we are rich in. For our population, we are not a big state, but yet even in a, as a as a small populated state within the country, we are we just have all kinds of things going on from the tech fields of Huntsville to the med- from the medicine in Birmingham uh, to the tech related industries even in Birmingham and and what's going on in in, in Mobile right now it, to auto industries to. Um, so, I mean, in Birmingham now, we're fixing to open up a, a new Amazon like headquarters here. There's just so yeah, many things yeah. going on. There's people from all across the c- country, if not the world. And the church should be a leader. The evangelical church should be a leader in the life of the mind so that we can we can stay on top of things like CRISPR. So when they right. co- when it comes, we're like, yeah, yeah, we in fact, we've dealt with that issue. We've thought about it. Here's. Here's what we say to that. <laughs> you know, instead of always being 20 years behind, wouldn't it be great to be 20 years ahead of everybody? And, <laughs> and, in, yeah. and in fact, that's the way we should see our church and our worldview, and we should see the Word of God, is we just have a treasure trove of information to draw from to deal with anything that comes up. Nothing should shake our foundation. And that's how I feel as a Christian ambassador. Even when something yeah. new comes and it seems I don't know how to think it through, I can I can at least find comfort in just give us time, let us think it through, let us ponder on this issue, and we'll we might not come up with a sol, you know a binary solution, but we will come yeah. up with at least s- good answers to these pro- these complex questions. And that's what I, I so do you find that even in doing teaching you know anatomy and nursing there's probably aha moments even now even doing it after so many years when you teach because when i when i taught and when i do teach even subjects that i've been involved in a while there are still aha moments where i'm like man never realized that before and yeah it's fantastic yeah. they are i mean they they do they will still happen um especially with you know something new coming out in the news and then thinking Oh, wow. I never thought about that. Or to be honest, I've been amazed at some of the questions posed by some of my students that get me thinking. And I go, you know what? That is a really interesting question. I've never really thought about that before. And we try to work through it. You know, I don't have a problem telling them, hey, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to have to look it up or I'm going to have to think about it. And it makes it fun. They see that it is okay to to not have all the answers. But as I've told students over and over, don't look at me or any other teacher on campus simply as the professor of that subject. Think of us as people who are trying to mentor you to think in new ways and ask good questions. Because if we can learn to ask really good questions, we can thrive in almost anything. It's 
because ultimately we we have to learn to get good at stuff. We have to learn and we have to practice. And somebody who knows how to ask good questions can really, really jump from one field to another, I think. Um, some may be quicker than others, but still, I, I tell them all the time, you may not want to be a healthcare professional at the end of the term. You may decide you'd rather go do something else, but if you take this class seriously, I'm giving you some new tools for your tool belt of problem solving because that's ultimately what the world's about. Yeah, and, and that's ultimately what Christians are. When We should never be afraid of anything. We should go never. into everything with boldness that we have right. the truth. And if you believe that we have the truth, then you shouldn't be timid about it. Now, I understand there's trepidations about speaking outside of the area that you're that anyone is kind of trained in that's that's fine i'm not and in fact i'm asking i'm asking most of us not to act that way you know right always defer to somebody of an authority and don't be afraid of saying listen that's not my field uh, i'm curious in it and i can help you because i've done some inf- you know some discoveries of my own in that but i'm not an authority mm-hmm. let me take you to somebody that is you know yeah. so don't be afraid of that but Never be afraid of objections or questions because it's questions that lead us to um, understanding things about ourselves and about the world that we live in. I mean, that's the entire grounding of science, right, is to ask questions, formulate a theory or a hypothesis, right, and then test it and test it and test it. And over time, you will find that these theories that we have that we that we think are, quote, unquote, unbreakable. They're really mm-hmm. just ones that we have tested over time and have trust or faith in, right? Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, and if you if you think about it, the the Bible has wisdom that helped propel science and other disciplines to successful levels. I can think of one of the proverbs that says, "Plans fail for lack of counsel." In other words, there ought to be a peer review process and advising. Or how about uh, another one in Proverbs, I think it's from chapter 18, the one who states his case first seems right until the other one comes and examines him. In other words, just because somebody is an authority doesn't mean you should take their word for it immediately. <laughs> right. You, you need to look at other viewpoints to, to critically examine a worldview. I mean this is how uh, church councils have worked. You know, even the the Jerusalem Council, at uh, the very first one recorded in Acts, where they came together to talk about Gentile Christians in the church. Yeah, I never thought about that before, but it's true. We've never mm-hmm. been afraid, even with theological issues, to come together uh, as a church and working out working out our faith in fear and trembling, and that mm-hmm. means in, that means to be in awe of who God is as our starting point but then be released into dis- thank you, God, for helping us discover this. In fact, that might be the picture of Eden. Um, the reason Jesus said he had to go in order for the Spirit to come, because for those of us who are Christians and devoted ourselves mm-hmm. to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What that is right. is almost a picture of Eden, where God is 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 with us and teaching us right. and providing yeah. us, and we get to learn not only from our own personal walk, but with the walk of others who are taking this seriously. And Mm, I think, I mean, that's a great thing to think about is that we, as we walk with Jesus, as we walk with his spirit, as we walk to to cultivate that 
disposition and character of Christ's likeness. Part of that is God releasing us to be curious about the world. And thank God that he did. When he created the heavens, when he recreates the heavens and the earth, in my personal opinion, what that will look like is us discovering the cosmos. Being yeah, released, yeah, I've thought about that myself. Being really, and that's just a, my own theological imaginations and musings. But I don't see why the cosmos is not created to be this almost eternal, discoverable, like place that God has created for yeah. the people He's placed His image to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, in other words, He's probably going to call us to be scientists. I mean, we're not going to know all, and I don't want to know all. You know, I, I want to be. I want to continue to discover and grow even even in the new kingdom and the new earth. Oh, yeah. And so why not start cultivating that character now? I agree. I agree. So start working on it. So we're going to start working on this with uh, Dr. Brad. Uh, he's going to start doing some content for TF. He also wants has always had the desire to go speak. He's done some speaking for us, too, in Birmingham and, and beyond. Brad, is there a place— a specific website that you have or is there any places where you do your content other than TF? No, not currently. There isn't. Okay, good. (laughs) We're just going to have you here for our own. For those of us who are listening to this, I've said it before. We don't, we try to, we try to do this uh, on our, you know, volunteer to some degree because all of us have other jobs and things that we do, um, but we would appreciate your support. Go to www.tacticalfaith.com. We have a Facebook page. We're on YouTube. We're going to start really doing a better job of creating our own content specifically um, colored and for the state of Alabama in the sense of we care for our state, we care for the Deep South, and then we care for everybody else. Not necessarily, you know, it's not like we don't value it, but this is where we are. So we have taken a heart to say we are blooming where we're planted, and we're going to deal with issues here and cultivate incarnational relationships with the people around us. Um, We would love for you to come, and some of our events that we have planned, they will be posted probably in the next month or so. We have a lot more fun content coming out with Dr. Brad, and we would just want to thank you for your time today, and we will talk to you soon. That's when you say, okay, Brad. Oh, sorry, man. I thought that was the very end. Yeah. Hey, Matt, thanks a lot for for having me today. This has been so much fun, and this is, you know, uh, we've said it before, we can get really animated when we talk about these things. We're so passionate about it. So I'm really, really thankful for what God has done through you and tactical faith, and I am so excited to see what else can, can happen in the future. Us uh, all working together for the common.